Church, God is so good. He has always been so good. Let me ask a question this morning. Those of you that haven't been here much lately or haven't been here at, at all lately, uh, you're free not to answer. But those of you that have been here quite frequently, let me ask you a question. It's a, it's a little bit of a pop quiz. What is our purpose statement, our mission statement, our vision statement? And I can see some of you already are doing like we did in school. I'm going to look down and he ain't going to call on me. Wow, Leanne, it really looks different up here, you know. When you ask a question, everybody's like, I better turn to the book of Bible, <laughs> the book of Bartholomew. Helping people discover Jesus Christ and become his followers. Helping people discover Jesus Christ and become his followers. You know what? That's what the praise team does. That's our purpose. That's our mission. Everything that we do as a body of believers should be filtered through a purpose. Everything that we do. Vacation Bible School is coming up. And Vacation Bible School is important only if it helps people discover Christ and become His followers. Going out into the community tonight is important, but only if it helps people discover Jesus Christ and become his followers. And I'm not just talking about people outside the church. We all need to discover Christ because Christ moves and changes and he wants us to be change agents, but he also wants to change us. Help us, help me every day discover Jesus Christ and become a better follower. Anybody in here satisfied in your walk with Christ today? No, of course not. Why not? Because we all know we could do more to discover Christ. And in discovery, become more like Him and become a better follower. And so, that's our goal. Now, we're looking through the, the early part of the book of John this morning. Not 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, but the Gospel of John. I shared with you last week uh, what the purpose of John is. The book of John, the Gospel of John, the fourth book of the New Testament... What's the purpose? Why did John write it? Why did John write it? He told us very plainly why he wrote it, and it's over in chapter 20 of the book of, of John. And he says this. Let me find it here. He says, the purpose of this gospel, Jesus performed many other signs, so his gospel is written so that we could see the signs or miracles of Christ. He performed many other signs or miracles in the presence of his disciples that are not written. So there was many miracles and signs that God, that Christ did, but not in the, in the presence of the disciples, but that weren't written in this book. But these, these things that he wrote are written so that you may believe Jesus is Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's the purpose of the Gospel of John. To share with us the signs and the miracles that Christ did among the disciples so that we might believe, and by believing that we might have life. That's the purpose. When, when John writes believe, he writes the gospel so that we could believe 
and that by believing, it's the, it's the Greek word that means to be persuaded of. It means to put confidence in. It means to trust in. So the reason John wrote all the things that he wrote, and the reason that Jesus did all the miracles that he did, was so that we could put trust in, have confidence in, believe in Jesus, that he is the Messiah, and that by believing we might have eternal life. And not only us, but everybody, our neighbors, the people that live on the streets around us, the people we work with, the people we live with need to know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that by believing they might have eternal life. We're, we're looking at several encounters from the early chapters in the Gospel of John today. Um, Last week we looked at chapter 1, today we're in chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. We're going to discover Jesus Christ. It's part of our mission statement. It's part of our purpose statement. Helping people discover Jesus Christ and become His followers. We are looking, we are in the middle of a series looking at ordinary people who discovered Jesus Christ. Last week it was some fishermen who discovered Jesus Christ. Today, oh, I can't wait for today. It's going to be really exciting. It's some everyday, common, lowly servants who discovered Jesus Christ. Next week, it's one of the Pharisees, one of the leaders, one of the rulers of the land. The week after, it's a woman who was caught in adultery. And the week after that, it was a man who was born crippled. All of this is us, people. It doesn't matter who you are, what background you come from, what brings you here today. You need to discover Jesus Christ. And so that by discovering, you might believe in Jesus Christ. Let me give you a little background in case you weren't here last week or in case you, you weren't able to listen to the podcast online. Uh, last week in John chapter 1, we talked about the prologue just a little bit. And then we talked about... Um, the John the Baptist and his testimony and and John the Baptist had a bunch of people following him and some of them were men who would eventually become followers of Jesus and John the Baptist's ministry was to point to Jesus because every time Jesus walked onto the scene he stopped what he was doing he said behold the lamb of god that takes away the sin of the world John the Baptist knew who it was John the Baptist was raised with Jesus they were cousins and so he knew Jesus. He knew all about Jesus. John had a mission, and that was to tell people and to prepare the way for Jesus Christ so that they could understand he was the Lamb of God that was, that was broken and that was sacrificed to take away the sin of the world. We looked at, at, at an encounter of the first disciples, Andrew and John. And Andrew went and called his brother Simon Peter. And then Philip and Nathaniel rounds out. These men left everything they had. They dropped their fishing nets. And they left everything they had, the comfort of their homes. And they said, Jesus, where are you staying? We want to follow you. And they literally did. He probably told them, he said, listen, guys, we're here right now down by the Jordan. But, but mama said that I have to be up at this little town. She's got a relative getting married. And so mama said, I've got to get up there and I've got a couple of days to get up there. So I'm heading off to, to Galilee to this little village called Cana. And what did the disciples do? Well, let's go. Let's walk. It's a two or three day walk, so let's walk. And the Bible tells us when we pick it up in John chapter, uh, chapter 2, it tells us it's on the third day a wedding took place. Now, before we read this text together, before we look at this text together, I've got to go ahead and set something up for you. 
This text is kind of like, and, and there's, there's a reason, where's, where's Monty? There's a reason you two were laughing a little while ago because I had this word on my mind, sandwich. All right? Uh, yeah, see, they're laughing now. It's, it's an inside joke. Because, because this text today is like a sandwich. All right? I know, Baptist preacher always talking about food. It's, it's, it's like a sandwich. It's got the first part and it's got the third part. But what I want to talk about today is the part we don't often talk about. It's the meat in the middle. All right? Normally, when we talk about the miracle at Cana, we talk about what? We talk about Mary and, and Jesus and their dialogue and their talk with one another. And hey, there's no wine. And mom, it's not my time yet. But hey, there's no time. Woman, I told you it's not my time yet. Do what he says. And we'll get there. We'll, we'll briefly talk about that. Or we talk about, man, this is some good wine. You know, there's no wine, and then there's really good wine. You're not supposed to give the good wine first. And we'll get there. We'll get there. But when we're reading this morning, I want you to, to listen to what happened in the middle. I want you to listen. And it's a part that we don't normally, we normally gloss over this part, but we're going to camp out there today. First, or John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. And I'll point out the part that I think we're going to be spending most of our minutes together today in. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. What has this concern of yours to do with me, woman? Jesus asked. My hour has not yet come. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servants. Now listen to this part. Now six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them, so they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief servant. And they did. Folks, there's the meat of your sandwich today. When the chief servant tasted the water after it had become wine, he didn't know where it came from. Though the servants had drawn, who had drawn the water knew, he called the groom and told him, everyone sets out the fine wine first, then after the people have drunk freely, the inferior, but you have kept the fine wine until now. Jesus performed this first sign in Cana of Galilee. He displayed His glory, and His disciples believed in Him. Father God, we ask this morning that You would bless us as we hear Your Word. Father, You would bless us as we preach Your Word. Father, You would bless us as we absorb and then go out and live Your Word. Your Word that has the power to change in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today's purpose. We've talked about the purpose of the church. We've talked about the purpose of, of the book of John. Today's purpose, and I want to hit it really quickly, is found in chapter 2, verse 11. The purpose is that very last verse that I read this morning. Jesus performed this first sign, this first miracle, in Cana of Galilee. He displayed His glory, and His disciples believed in Him. Let us not forget that. Put that here in your brain right now. Why did Jesus do this miracle in this place? So that His glory would be displayed and that those disciples would put their trust in, put their confidence in, put their faith in, believe in Him. It's the same word from John chapter 20. 
Jesus calls us today to do our part as he causes changes in our surroundings. Jesus calls us today to do our part as he causes changes in our surroundings. Uh, let's, let's, let's look at these verses here just a little bit. Uh, Jesus and Mary. Jesus and Mary. So verses 1 through 5, um, I told you we'd talk about it for a few seconds, and let's just look at this. Um, Cana of Galilee. Cana is not Jerusalem, folks. Cana is a small, out-of-the-way place out in the hinterlands. It's, it, as a matter of fact, it's such a small little village and community that we don't really know where it is today. You know, a lot of the cities of, of, of Israel have stayed the same. Jerusalem's still Jerusalem. Capernaum's still Capernaum. You can still go to, to, to Bethany. You can still go to, to all of these different places. But Cana, we don't even know where it is. The best we can understand, there's about four little villages that it might be. But no one is 100% sure if even those four are correct. So Cana is a little bitty outpost out of the way. It's not, it's not New York, and it's not Chicago, and it's not L.A., and it's not even Atlanta or Nashville or Louisville. It's more like Crothersville. Just a nice little village out of the way. Just a nice little place out of the way where Jesus chose to begin his ministry, where Jesus chose to begin to reveal himself so that his glory would be revealed and that his disciples might believe. So we're at a wedding celebration, and, 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 and you know we, we took part in a wedding last year, and it was a huge celebration, and it took lots of time to plan, and, and some of you were there, and, and, and it was just a great thing. We love celebrations. Don't you love celebrations? How many people in here like celebrations? Man, we celebrate lots of things, don't we? We had a good celebration yesterday. We had family come up. Some of them are here today. And we celebrated graduation. And we celebrated, you know, my daughter graduating from, from college. And that was exciting. And we celebrated. And how did we celebrate? We had a big feast. We didn't drink a lot of wine, but we did have a big feast. We drank a lot of Dr. Pepper and iced tea and things like that. But back then, they would celebrate. Now, a wedding was something different. Weddings... You celebrated a wedding for a week. It was an all-week-long celebration. The groom would, uh, at some point, he would, he would get his household ready, and he would go to another village some way away, and everybody would know when they woke up that next morning, hey, the groom is gone. He's gone to get his bride and bring her back. So let's get everything ready, because we're going to celebrate when they come back. And he would go and get her, and he would bring her back. And, and man, there would be such a huge celebration. The whole city would shut down for a week. And we know that this is a huge wedding. It's a huge deal. It's a really big thing going on. I'll tell you why in a few minutes. It's not just a small town, small wedding. It's a big wedding. Somebody important was getting married. And, and along the way, the wine ran out. Now, I don't know about you, but, but looking back on my wedding day, there are lots of things that I remember. Some good, some, some didn't go off quite as planned, but nothing was bad. Um, it was all good. It, there was just some things that had been planned that didn't quite go off. But looking back, I don't think 25 years later, anybody looks back and remembers anything that didn't go off, except for maybe one or two people. Most people just, just remember that beautiful day, and we'll, we get the pictures out occasionally. Well, not so occasionally, because they're kind of depressing. Just because I've changed, not because of the wedding, no. They're just, they're just depressing because, because I've changed so much. 
But the way I like to tell my wife is there's just more of me to love now. <laughs> they're, they're very, very encouraging. Very wonderful. I'm in so much trouble. I'm not even looking back there. I'm in so much trouble. But nobody remembers some of the things that we remember about that day. Some of the things that took place behind the scenes. But let me tell you something. If this couple had ran out of wine, if they had run out of wine 25 years later, they would have been talking about, hey, do you remember that day that Kenny and Joyce got married? Yeah, they ran out of wine. We, what would have happened if they'd have run out of wine? Not that you guys ran out of wine at your wedding, but I'm just digging holes all over the place today. <laughs> not that we would have, not that, not that, not that, what would have happened is the celebration would have stopped. It would have just stopped. You know, the seven-day celebration would have been cut to two and a half days or four days, and that's how it would have been remembered. And so we can kind of understand what Mary's saying here. Listen, they ran out of, Jesus, they ran out of wine. Now, I don't know, it's why I'm not going to camp out here, I don't know if she was trying to force Jesus' hand in this situation. I don't know if she was trying to say, hey, listen, Jesus, they ran out of wine. Will you please go out and, and tell stories and distract the people so that they're not aware of what's going on while we correct things in the background? Jesus and his mother have a very interesting uh, dialogue here. Jesus' mother, Mary, was there, the Scriptures tell us, and then a couple of verses later it says, Woman, it's not my time yet. He, he quietly rebukes her, and then she, being the good Jewish mother she, did, she was, looked over at the servants and said, Do whatever he tells you. He's going to take care of things. That's the dialogue that sets up this story, and, 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 and I'm, I'm glad that, that we're moving on. Um, <laughs> We're moving on to the main passage that I want to zero in on this morning, and that, that is uh, verse 6. Now, six stone water jars had been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. I told you a few minutes ago that this was a huge wedding. It was a huge wedding. A hundred and minimum of 120 gallons of water used for Jewish ritual purification. Now, we've seen, some of us have seen Jewish ritual purification, it doesn't take a lot of water to accomplish a Jewish ritual purification, like about a cup. You just pour it over your hands, and you wash your hands, and you, you, you get your fingers wet. You're not bathing yourself in a 20-gallon bucket of water. You're just rinsing your hands off. Just as a symbol, before we eat, hey, we're, we're clean, right? So how do we know this was a huge wedding? Because they had a minimum of 120 gallons of water. That's huge. That's a lot of water. I couldn't imagine because you can't just go back to the faucet and turn it on. You've got to go down to the well or you've got to go down to the stream or you've got to go down somewhere and get fresh water and fill up the jars. It was an accomplishment. It was a task. It was a chore to fill up the water. And this was a huge wedding because there were six of these big jars. Look, what do we learn from the fact that there were six jars? Mary said, do whatever he tells you. And Jesus looked around. They're out of wine. Jesus looked around and he saw these jars. 
He could have used whatever he wanted to, but he used what was there. He grabbed what was there and he used it. Folks, Jesus can use anybody in this world to be a change agent in our community, but he chooses to use what is available. And what is available is you, and what is available is me, and what is available is us. Jesus, when he looks out and he sees the fact that people are without joy, are without because wine represented joy. When people are without joy, He uses what's available, and that's you, and that's me. That's what Jesus uses. He saw the jars, and He said, fill them up. Now, He didn't have to fill up the water jars. You do understand that Jesus quite simply could have taken the empty wine skins and filled them up with great wine. He could have, but He wanted to do something a little bit different so that the, the servants that were there could take part. The water jars were used to hold the water for the cleansing. We talked about that. He looked at them, at the servants, and he said, fill the jars with water. So they filled them. Again, this would take some effort. They couldn't just go over, turn the faucet on, grab the hose, and fill the buckets up. Okay, they didn't have that luxury. When Jesus said, fill them up, he meant go to the well, put some effort into it, get your pitchers, go and fill up some water and come back and dump it in. Go and fill up some water and come back and dump it in. Put forth the effort, put forth the work that it's going to take to fill those jars up. And Jesus waited while the people worked, the servants did the work to fill up the jars with water. Does it say they got close and quit? What does it say? They filled them to the brim. Jesus, when Jesus gives us a mission to do, He doesn't want us to do it halfway. He doesn't want us to do it partially. He wants us to fill it to the brim. He wants us to do all that we can do to bring Him glory and to spread the Gospel so that people might believe. Jesus wanted their cooperation. He could have filled up the old wineskins. He very easily could have just snapped his fingers and filled up the jars full of water, but he wanted their cooperation. He wanted the servants that were there, the lowly, out-of-place people that were there to be a part of this miracle. Why did Jesus Jesus want them to be a part of this? Why would Jesus want them to be a part of this, this sign, this miracle? So they could believe. So they could be a witness. He wanted them to be a part of the miracle because He wanted them to be a part of the blessing. He wanted them to be a part of the miracle so that they could be part of the blessing. Folks, as, as, as May the 15th has come upon us, Jesus wants us to be part of the miracle of the spreading of the Gospel of His name so that we can receive some blessing. We're going to gather back here in about six or seven hours and we're going to pray and we're going to talk for a few minutes and then we're going to go out and we're going to do our part to share the gospel of Christ with people, to pray with people, to interact with people, to enter into a relationship with people. Jesus wants us to do that because He wants us to share in the blessing. It's not a duty for us. It's not an obligation for us. It's a privilege. When Jesus says, come and do, it's a privilege and an honor for us to be able to do that. So they filled the jars. They filled the jars. And then, now, now, um, he said, draw some out and take it to the chief servant. It took a lot of faith for these servants here. It took a lot of faith. What did they put in the water? Or what did they put in the jars? 
water. And when they dipped their ladles in to pull it out, what were they expecting to pull out? Water. Water. Why were they expecting to pull water out? Because that's what they put in. But what they didn't understand and what they didn't realize was because of their faithfulness, Jesus changed the water. Because they were faithful in fulfilling their duties, because they were faithful in fulfilling what it is that He told them to do, He used their act of faith to change the water. They, dipped, they poured water in, and they dipped in, and they began to pour out. And as I don't know if it was as they pulled it out, as they poured it, as they walked to the chief steward, I don't know. But somewhere along the way, because of their faith and their willingness to do what it was that Jesus had called them to do, a miracle took place. Water changed to wine. In faith, they obeyed the Word of Christ and they were able to share in the miracle and in the blessing. Jesus calls us to do our part as He causes changes in our surroundings. And by faith, by their faith, the water came and was made into wine. So they, they, they dipped in, they poured out, and they took it over to the, to the chief steward, the chief servant. And this is the guy. You ever anybody in here ever watched that show with Gordon Ramsay, Hell's Kitchen? Anybody in here ever watch it? Yeah, some people watch it. Well, this is the guy that's out in the this is the guy that, that's out in the lobby. You know, when they're getting ready at the end of the show, when they're getting ready to open up the restaurant, he looks at him and he says, I think his name is James. It's kind of interesting. He says, James, open the doors. And James is the guy with the with the little waistcoat on and the and the bow tie and all dressed up and everything. <laughs> That's the guy they would have taken this to because he was the main servant, the chief servant. He was the wedding planner, if you will. They, they, they took out some wine. He was the one that would have said, hey, hey, groom, you got, you got a problem. There's no more wine. There's no more wine. We're out. We're empty. And they, 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 the servants dipped it out and they carried it to him. And of course, he would have been like, what is this? And they said, well, we have wine. We found some wine. We, we got some wine. And, and he, oh, you just ran down to the 7-Eleven and picked up a box of wine, huh? All right, well, let's take a sip. And he took a sip. And it was the best wine in his ever tasted in his entire life. It was the best. It was the most perfect that he had ever. Why? Because Jesus doesn't do junk. Jesus doesn't change things into junk. This is free right here, folks. This is free. This is a free part of the sermon. If you ever wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and decide that you're not worthy, I want you, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Jesus doesn't change things into junk. Jesus changes things and He makes them the best. The best. The best. The best wine would have been given first. And after the people had had their fill, they would have brought out the box wine. They would have brought out the, the, the cheap stuff. We're not going to debate wine versus Welch's today, okay? We're not here to do that today. That's, that's a different sermon at a different time. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. God gave me this this week. Let me ask you a question. In the presence of the people, you're going to have to think about this. What was the first miracle? What was the first miracle that Moses did, accomplished? In the presence of the people. Anybody remember? He changed the water into 
blood. Now, the first miracle that he accomplished was when he threw his, ser- his rod down and it became a serpent and he picked it up and then he, then he put his hand in his coat. But that was just him and God at the burning bush. The first miracle that he affected in Egypt was when he changed all of the water into what? Into blood, right. And who was the author of the Old Covenant? Who, was the, who, was, who did God choose to display the Old Testament through, the Old Covenant through? Moses. Moses. He changed the water into blood. What was the first miracle that Jesus chose to reveal His glory in? He changed the water into wine. You see, the blood represents sacrifice and judgment and effort on behalf of the people. But the wine... But the wine represents the new covenant. It represents forgiveness. And it represents grace. And it represents mercy. The wine was after the water. Grace is after judgment. The wine was from the water. We receive grace from judgment. And the wine was better than the water. My grace is better than judgment. I'm so glad I'm full of the grace of God today. I'm so glad that I don't have to go back to the altar every year and present a lamb. I'm so glad that Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, like John the Baptist said, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world has taken away my sin and has forgiven me and has saved me. And and because of that, I need to go and share that message. I need to be a change agent, a messenger. What was the purpose of the miracle? We we talked about it briefly. What was the purpose of the miracle? Jesus performed this first sign in verse 11. It says, He performed this first sign in Cana of Galilee. Not in the huge metropolis where it would be expected, but in a small, out-of-the-way town on the outskirts of society. He displayed His glory. He made known, He made visible what had been hidden or unknown. And His disciples believed in him they were persuaded they placed their confidence in and they trusted what was the purpose of john's gospel what was the purpose of the gospel of john why did john write about this sign jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in his book but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Let's go back to that wedding in Cana. Let's go back to that very first miracle that was done so that the disciples of Christ might believe in Him and that by believing they may have life in His name and that by being changed and that having life in His name, they might be willing to go out and to share that life-changing message with the people that they interacted with. What's the purpose of First Baptist Church Crothersville? Helping people discover Jesus Christ and become His followers. That's our purpose. This evening, we're going to be beginning a new phase in our purpose. 
We're going to be beginning a new phase in our life as a body of believers. We're going to begin to take the gospel message to the streets of Crothersville. And we're going to be able to take these signs and these miracles and these testimonies and give people the opportunity to be changed. Because God is the God of this city. He is the God of this city. I don't care what CNN tells you. I don't care what NBC tells you. God is the God of this city. How do I know that? How do I know that God is the God of this city? 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 tells me that. Because there are God's people here. And God promises that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear. And I will forgive their sins. And I will what? Heal their land. I will heal their city. Folks, Crothersville needs healing. And it is time for us to allow the God of Crothersville to be the God of Crothersville and Salem, or Seymour and Salem and Scottsburg and Austin and Brownstown and all over, wherever we go. It is time for God to be the God of the city. We're going to have a word of prayer and I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. If you're willing and ready to become a change agent, then I ask you to just, just where you are, or if you feel like coming down and praying, come down and pray. If you're willing to join into this vision, then, then please join in. If you want to become a part of this body of believers, if you want to, to come and say, hey, I'm ready to come and join this church and, and, and be a member of this church, then come down and we'll talk about that. If you need Jesus in your life, then please come down and let's get that straight first. If you're really willing just to be a change agent, then, then I pray for you and you pray for me and, and we'll go and be about the miracle of God. In Christ's name, let's all stand. Father God, we come before you this morning and we're willing and, and ready, Lord, to be change agents in our communities. But first, Lord, we have to allow you to change us. Take away all that is within us that is, is vile and repugnant in your life and change us so that we can be completely filled with water that changes itself into joy and grace and mercy. Father, fill us today with your Spirit. In Christ's name, amen.